Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to an emergency edition of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode 78, airing right after episode 77. I am back with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner, the regular crew, to discuss the news that happened today. Matt's boy, Hanley Ramirez, has been DFA'd by the team. Guys, reactions? I'm shook. I did not see this coming. I didn't see it coming in an hour beforehand when news had started to leak out. I thought it was ridiculous. However, in retrospect, I understand the i mean—the business side of it pretty clearly. But yes, totally out of nowhere for me. Yeah, I literally recorded this same podcast yesterday and uh, made predictions on it about uh, where – Blake Swihart would end up and, uh, you know, how he would be cut and whether or not he would be traded and all that good stuff. And it was all completely useless because the Red Sox went and did something that none of us expected. A guy who's been hitting in the three hole for a good part of the year for the Red Sox is DFA'd. And uh, it's weird, man. I uh, I was sort of buying into Hanley at this point. I, uh, I know that he's had a rough April or a rough May after having a good April, but... Man, he uh, he leaves the Red Sox with a 254, 313, 395 slash line and a 708 OPS. That is 30th amongst 44 first basemen with at least 100 plate appearances. That is per Alex Spear of the Boston Globe. Um, so overall, the numbers weren't weren't so good. No, he's uh he's been a ground ball machine lately too. It's 
it sucks because I think, I mean, it, we'll get into this more, I would assume, but I think this is more about just his on-field performance. But if you're just looking at on-field, it makes sense. I mean, it's now been, he had a good April. He kind of had a good finish last year, but overall last year wasn't very good. And he's been trending in the wrong direction this year for at least a month. So in the offseason when we talked about Hanley Ramirez, I was fairly adamant that he was going to be uh, cut from the team or traded or something like that before this season actually started. Brian and I actually had a dollar bet on that. The reason why is because when I heard Dave Dombrowski talk about him last year uh, at the end of the season when he did his press conference, it seemed like he was calling out Hanley more than other players. Um, I didn't really believe that he would bounce back with the health issues that he had in 2015, 2017, he wasn't very effective. He had the great 2016, but again, this year he wasn't great. But even with all that, I thought that what we were seeing, at least in April, was a Hanley that was fully bought in, who was committed on going after that uh, 497 plate appearances, vesting that option, and uh, a guy who was going to be an asset to the team. So I had actually switched my whole view on that. Where were you guys going into this day? Um, I mean, I think I made it pretty clear heading into the season that I bought into his offense. Um, I guess when I woke up this morning, I was a little more down on his bat than I had been. Um, I think he was like 0 for his last 21 or something. It's hard not to be frustrated, but I still, I thought that we were going to see him on the bench more, but apparently they didn't really see that as a viable option. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I'm totally shocked still by this hours later. I'm shocked by it and didn't see it coming, but it's very Celtics-y, you know, and Patriots-y, which I don't Worked know. Worked pretty well for those teams, though. That's Well, that's my point. And um, the uh, from a... A value perspective obviously is not providing a ton of value per dollar. And from a pure output perspective, as Matt says, he was not producing very well. And that's two out of three facets. And the third one, which Matt talked about uh, on Twitter, and I'm sure we'll get to, is his clubhouse present. Um, but it makes – now that they've done it, the logic in it seems pretty – um, airtight to me and I think it'll be easier to swallow once we get a game behind us a couple games behind us and the world keeps spinning but one thing that again we're going to I guess we'll talk about it now is that I didn't see the disconnect between him playing so much and him getting dropped because my thought once it happened was oh they they wanted to just they wanted to get some Hanley before they got rid of him and they always knew Pedroia was coming back I never thought and I know that this was a theory coming around that the front office was uh doing this to get at Cora I always thought that Cora had to be uh on the inside of this and from the press conference which obviously is presenting a unified front uh I believe at least that we can say it's not he's not on the outside of it uh he's 
professing to be on the inside of it, and I think he is, but it's not. I never got the sense, and I don't now get the sense that the organizations and and the management, the team management, were on different pages. And on top of that, Hanley was never a Dombo guy. Jake, what you said is true about uh, him calling him out in the offseason. Once it happened, all of this now sort of makes sense to me. And I don't know if it would have happened if Hamley was hitting better, but he's not. So it did. Yeah, and just, just to clarify for the listeners, uh, a little snippet of what was said during the press conference. Um, essentially, Dave Dombrowski said that this was Alex Cora's idea and that Alex Cora came to him with the suggestion that Mitch Moreland should be playing more. Uh, and he also surmised that Hanley Ramirez would probably not take well to a bench roll. And so a couple things are pretty clear straight off the bat. Um, both the team and management probably wanted nothing to do with having that option vest for next year. They were going to protect against that no matter what. And it seems like, from all indications, that Alex Cora probably had a conversation with Hanley about you know, how he would handle a reduced role like that. Um, and I'm guessing from that that what he heard from Hanley was not encouraging, and that's why they decided to, to do this at this time. Yeah, that all sounds fair. The only thing about that answer from Dombrowski that doesn't really – I don't really buy is that maybe – I didn't hear it. I just got quotes off Twitter. Maybe I'm misreading it, but it sounds like – Dombrowski's making it sound like Cora um, talked to him last night, and then they made the decision very early this morning. I can't imagine that there wasn't more thought into this. There had to be some discussion of that before this. So um, I, I feel like they've been thinking about this for a little bit at least. Yeah. Yeah, I got the sense that they've been thinking about it, but they had never presented it to him until last night. And I think just from an optics standpoint and from a performance on the field standpoint, I, I really truly believe that Alex Cora uh, and Dave Dombrowski wanted to give Hanley as much run as possible in the early going to see sort of if April Hanley could be, you know, turn into May Hanley and end up 2016 Hanley. You know, if, if he could continue that run because we all know, just like we recognize that the best version of this Red Sox team is one with Jackie Bradley Jr., playing well offensively and playing a good center field. Uh, the best version of this team is an engaged Hanley Ramirez hitting like Hanley Ramirez from 2016. So when they realized they weren't going to get that and his 90 weighted runs created plus is the same as it was in 2015 and uh, roughly the same as it was last year in 2017, I think uh, they decided that they just weren't going to see that player anymore. And with the injury history, it's hard to disagree. And they really don't want to pay. They really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's the vesting option is definitely the biggest part of this. I, Dombrowski specifically said it had nothing to do with it, but that's clearly uh, bullshit. I mean, that, that was if it was all about on-the-field performance, it would be Nunez going instead of Ramirez. But Ramirez has the extra money, um, and they're in a better position for the upcoming winter for sure with Hanley off the books. They are going to have to eat $15 million, though, this year, and it seems like... Well, that was in, a sunk cost. In all likelihood, though, nobody is going to play ball with them. He is going to be a free agent after seven days. 
though, at 100%. <laughs> Unless they, like, add something valuable to him to make well, a trade work. I, and I don't really understand why they would do that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I've thought thought the whole day that he could be packaged with other players, but that's not, you know, they they're now they need bodies, so it just doesn't make sense. How diabolical would it be to package him with Blake Swihart in a trade? <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I, I guess we should, should we should probably tackle that angle of this. Uh, we were all shocked um, about Blake Swihart still being on the team today, and even me, the most ardent Blake Swihart supporter, uh, aside from Blake's mom probably, um, was pretty much resigned to the fact that he needed a fresh start. But now here he is with the Red Sox. Um, he's one of the bench options. It's him. It's Leon, Holt, and Nunez now that Pedroia is back. Uh, it seems like he's going to get some run. Where do you guys think he's going to end up playing most of his time? I mean, I think it's going to be the super utility role that they were expecting before. I think he'll probably play some fair space. I think he's going to get a bunch of time at DH. And they said that they're going to start playing him at catcher, which, I mean, it makes no sense that now they're going to start playing him at catcher. Um, Cora said we all thought that Swihart was going to be the move, and now that they know he's here to stay they're going to start using me as catcher more that logic makes no sense to me but apparently it's going to happen so i think they apparently waited two months for no reason and now he's going to be in that utility role well they did say one thing he said he was catching steven Wright, um and that made him think that they could catch it's possible well but it's possible that they try him out as steven wright's catcher which steven wright isn't a starter for right. now, until they Not send Pomerantz yeah. to the DL after this That's next fair. start. That's but also, possibility. also, it's welcome to the Terror Dome. No one could catch Stephen Wright, so yeah. Blake Swihart can catch it as well as the next person. Well, it's funny because part of the reason Swihart got that defense, bad defensive reputation is because he had so many pass balls against Stephen Wright, and now it's like his saving grace. I don't know. <laughs> it's all I just have no circle. idea what's going on. Yeah, this is so weird. Yeah, it is a, a strange situation, but you know what? It does I, I think up... most of his starts are coming at DH, though. You think DH? Okay. But, Jake, um, let me just say, because there was a little touchdown dancing in my mentions. Um, <laughs> you were there, too. You weren't doing it. But uh, I don't think that this – my whole take on the Swihart situation has been that – from what they had said, and I think Cora has admitted much, that they didn't think he could catch. I am mm-hmm. still skeptical, but I trust them. By the same token, I was never – by the same token, they've always believed in his bat, and I haven't really seen it, but I've trusted them similarly on that. So them making these moves means that they think that they can withstand losing Hanley because of Swihart's bat, mostly. I mean – that seems to be the subtext uh, as long as they can get it in. And I trust them on that the same way I trusted them with the catcher stuff. And I hope that he's good. I'm as surprised as anyone to be in this position, but I, uh, I get it. I, I understand everything and I hope he turns into an all-star. I just, you know, Christopher Smith wrote, 
you know, Veritech didn't catch every day until he was 27 and Swihart was 26. And I get that, but Veritech was A, blocked, which Swihart sort of isn't, and B, was a former college player of the year. I mean, he was a, as unicorny as Blake Swihart is, I think Veritech was probably a better young talent. At the same time, I would love to be proven wrong. That tweet also referenced stats from 2015 to one step uh, yeah batting one average from 2015 second half batting average from 2015 to uh talk up swihart's bat which tells you about what swihart's done with the bat lately yeah swihart certainly hasn't looked good with the bat and uh you know i'm i'm certainly not going to start doubting his pedigree now he's a first round draft pick um he's really talented uh, so I was like... Trey paul yeah yeah of course um i like the idea of them starting to use him at catcher and i wonder if he would have been the guy released if sandy leone and uh christian vasquez were hitting better i wonder if the fact that he is staying around but that they even have that sort of uh fear of letting him go is because their catcher situation is less than ideal right now and for for those guys being touted for their defense i mean they're uh, Sandy Leon is is middle of the pack defensively, and Christian Vasquez has not been so great in terms of you know uh, baseball prospectus, uh, fielding runs above average. So um, it's not like they've been dominant defensively either. Yeah, I mean I still have no fear of their defense. Um, I think keeping Swihart had less to do with being afraid of losing Swihart than them just wanting to rip off the Hanley Band-Aid now. Um, I think Swihart just is a benefactor of that, but um, I think this has everything to do with Ramirez. So let's talk about that for a second. I want to unspool this. So the idea simply is that um, it seems as though Cora was worried that Hanley Ramirez could become a clubhouse cancer if he started to get benched. And it seems like they wanted to keep him under that 497, so he was going to get benched at some point. So they were worried about his character as a bench player. Do you guys think that is a fair concern for a club who is competing right now? Because as we talked about, I think all three of us agree that the best version of the Red Sox is one where Hanley Ramirez is hitting well. So why did they decide well, to do this, essentially? Well, I'm not sure that they were always planning to keep him under 497. I think if Hanley was hitting like he did at the beginning of the year and that kept going... I don't think the 497 was going to be a real concern. So I think it's his performance the last like month or so that's really brought the plate appearance concern to a head um, rather than well, and last year. The plan. And last year. But I mean, I think like if you do you think if he was hitting like he was in April still now that it would be a concern? They wouldn't no, be I mean, able there's to. No to way. Do this. They, yeah. Yeah. Well, they would have no desire to. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, they might no, still no. have a desire to, but they wouldn't – optically, it just wouldn't look fine. Like maybe maybe Dave Dombrowski still looks at this and says, hey, I don't trust them. He's probably going after this right now to pick up that option and then might turn into a dog next year because it's clear that Dombrowski doesn't really like the guy or trust the guy. Um, but, you know, he wouldn't be able to make that move at that point. Yeah, I mean, he might have been able to trade him or something, but probably not, I guess. Yeah, that's the difference. I think that even if they wanted to trade him, they might have – even if he was hitting well, I think that 
given given how ruthless this move is, I have to think that they might have been looking to trade him if he was playing well uh, and surprise us that way. But we won't know. And I mean, the, the best version of the Red Sox, frankly, at this point, Hanley is a replaceable player and below replacement level at this point. Right. Uh, and the, the clubhouse thing, you, you hit on a good point. Uh, it seems like Hanley is an, it's either going to be good or bad. And uh, it couldn't withstand the switch. So, I mean, I understand it. I, it's, it's a lot. Of, I tend to, not worry about the Red Sox pockets, but it is a lot of money uh, for next year that is now no longer going to be on the books, which is good. And we'll get over it. It's it's weird because they haven't even played a game yet, but we'll get over it. Uh, I don't know, man. Got over Isaiah Thomas. I, mean, I am maybe, not over Isaiah Thomas. Maybe, maybe you're not. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe. I would drive him to the airport at this point. Ugh. Sorry, man. I love Kyrie. Can't we just like be sentimental about the people we love? <laughs> uh, yeah, like Blake sticking around, man. Happy he's here. <laughs> Happy he's here. Um, I want to talk about first base depth a little bit, though, because right now uh, Mitch Moreland is the guy on the Red Sox who plays first base. I know Brock Holtz played there a couple times, but that's a terrible idea. Um, Blake Swihart has maybe played there a little bit. I want to say he got some run in spring training at first base, but really they don't have anybody else who can play first base right now aside from Sam Travis at AAA. So are you guys at all concerned about the lack of depth that the team has in that area now? Um, a little, I guess. Um, I think Swihart, they said Swihart is going to be playing there. I'm trying to find if he has played there before. but um. My take with Swihart and first base, and this came up today, is someone was saying that they weren't sure he could play first, but this person is a very big, very big uh, proponent of him playing catcher. No matter what I think about him playing catcher, if he has played catcher, I'm pretty sure he can play first. Yeah, he's an athletic guy. I, I assume he can learn the position and, and be yeah. just fine there, but I wonder if the team would be better served with Swihart getting starts in left field and uh, J.D. Martinez DHing. Um, see, I kind of feel like it's going to be J.D. Martinez in left field and Swihart DHing. J.D. Martinez still wants to play left field, and that's that hasn't changed. He's still going to get his time in left field. So the argument against that, though, would be this. J.D. Martinez is, what, 30, 31 years old at this point? 30. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Uh, he hurt himself last year playing in the outfield. The idea is that now that you have Hanley gone, and you know, good Hanley was already gone after April, uh, you can't lose J.D. Martinez's bat. So it seems like if I was Cora, I would be concerned about you know, limiting the opportunities for J.D. Martinez to get injured out in the outfield. And I would be more okay with playing Swihart there, even if the defense was comparable or even worse for, for Swihart. It's hard to say it would be worse than J.D.'s, but it could be. Sure, but it's, I mean, you have to make sure that Martinez is okay with that, and I don't know if he would be. And he's made it very clear that he wants to play, still play outfield. And I can't imagine Hanley getting released is going to change that at all. And and I well I share your injury concerns to some degree. Players get to play baseball, you know. Yeah. Um, 
someone's got to go out there and do it. And uh, I'm just happy that I'm clearly going to win the J.D. Martinez over 35 games in the field. Uh, oh, pretty good before this year. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very. I all the other ones are wrong, but I got that one. <laughs> yeah, he's already at 23. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, at the 50 game mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. that's uh, that's pretty good. But um, I think, you know, one one whole underrated thing about this is the fact that we all get a reprieve from Eduardo Nunez out in the field. That's pretty cool. From second base. Even though, I'd, I mean, I still think he's going to get time there. I think he's going to get time at DH, and I think he's going to get time at third base, although Devers has looked better at the plate lately. Nunez is still going to be in our lives, for sure. But Devers Devers could obviously stand to get some days off. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, especially when they start getting into summer and it gets hot and they're playing so many days in a row, he's going to need some time off. So and they're playing nice a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, if he's had a couple Chipotle burritos the night before. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good story. <laughs> yeah. He's very food motivated. He's like my puppy. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. Um, so overall, I got to ask you guys, can, taking into consideration clubhouse dynamics, um, on the field performance, are the Red Sox a better team going forward now? Or would they have been better off keeping Hanley Ramirez? I mean, they'd probably be better off keeping him if it was just a luxury that you could pull out whenever he'd be good. But I think in totality, they're probably better now. That's why they did it. I think they're better this year. This The flexibility it adds for next year's payroll pushes it over a little bit. But, I mean, if they're just talking about this roster... I think it's better with Hanley than it is with Swihart. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Matt. I uh, I still have visions of good Hanley, and I think that he's a player capable of getting hot for months at a time and uh, carrying the team, and especially when it comes to postseason. He's a guy who I feel really good about being in important postseason at-bats. So I think the team's going to miss it from that perspective, although it seems like this was a management directive that he was going to be under 497. And if they got the indication that he wasn't going to respond well to that, to being benched at all, then this was probably the right move to do now, even if it did affect them negatively uh, a little bit on the field. See, I still don't know that I totally buy that. I mean, I think that's obviously part of it, but also Moreland's been hitting so well and, Hanley hasn't been, and I mean, just that, putting aside the vesting option, Moreland had to start playing more than Hanley, for now at least, and so that could have been enough to get Hanley upset that he's going to have to be on the bench more for Mitch Moreland, so I don't know that it's all about the 497, to be honest. Could could just be about losing time to Moreland, you think? Well, just losing time. I don't. I mean, I don't know if like it's a personal thing against Mitch Moreland or anything. Just losing time in general. There's a lot of pressure on Moreland right now, though. He's yeah. uh, he's been really good, but he's been really good in a situation where they've been kind of been able to put him in in positions to succeed. And uh, now he's an everyday guy. That's it's a different role. Do you think that there's any chance that? they ever look at trying to get a righty first baseman who's uh 
established like if you could just flip Lucas Duda around just make or, him a righty or like, I don't know who that guy is though I didn't you from the White Sox yeah I don't know that they have pieces to get Jose Abreu we could uh, we could trade Jay Groom's corpse um, and uh, Michael Chavis's roided up body for him Chavis might be an interesting guy at the end of the year if he comes back and hits right away when he gets back from his suspension because I don't think Sam Travis is going to be that guy. So if they're going to get that right-handed guy from someone already in the organization, it's probably going to be Chavis. Matt, when are you going to give Sam Travis a break, man? Uh, when he hits for power? He's 24 years old, almost 25 years old. He's got a new <laughs> swing coach. He's got all the strength in the world. It's all going to happen for him, man. You just got to wait uh, and see. Okay. He's got a 111 ISO in his third <laughs> try at AAA. So you're so, saying there's a chance? Not great. <laughs> I hope so. I they could use Sam Travis right now. I the, don't think it's gonna happen. The thing that makes him attractive though is is if Sam Travis does figure out that swing, he has the actual physical strength and he has a hit tool that actually is pretty good. So if he can figure out that whole launch angle thing, Sam Travis could be a pretty cool player. Could be. He definitely could be. I mean, he's no Michael. Hey. I yeah, mean, I think Sam Travis. I think Sam Travis is definitely the answer to the where would they get um, the potential answer, the pipe dream answer. Um, anyhow, uh, I, my daughter's telling me I need shoes because we're outside. Oh, nice. Um, so, any other thoughts on this trade before we uh, wrap it up today, guys? You mean this DFA? Yes, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a trade. Yeah, Where do you guys think he ends up? I'm saying Colorado. That's a, I like that one. I like that a lot, too. Thanks. And then, then his whole runs are going to go like... No, he's going to destroy Colorado. It's going to be amazing. He's going to go bananas. As long as... Uh, I think Morosi um, mentioned Tampa Bay as a possibility, and I'm, I'm going to cry if he ends up on the race. I'll just say that right now. Oh, that would be terrible. Um, I'm looking at it yeah. right now. He's too young to be on the Mets. Give him a couple years. <laughs> I'm going to go Tigers. Tigers? Yeah. Yep. Weird situation over there with Miggy sort of arguing with with uh, management. Victor Martinez is pretty much a corpse, um, so he can maybe take some time away from him. Um, but... Miggy has basically said he is not going to play through injury anymore, so I think that could be an interesting spot for him. I guess. I hadn't really considered that. Going what about Seattle? Seattle, Seattle uh, can make some sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I like that. Brian, you got your thinking cap on today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not everyone is going to agree with that one. Well, you're not wearing shoes, so I don't know how much credit I can give you. Yeah, so looking at Seattle right now, they have a banged-up Nelson Cruz at DH. They have Ryan Healy at first base uh, in there, you know, squarely within the playoff race, and Ryan Healy can play third if he needs to. Um, you know, if they wanted to put him in a bench role, that could be uh, could be interesting. And they're in, like, a desperate, you know, they really want Oh, they're definitely desperate, yeah. Yeah, how many years is it for those knuckleheads without making the playoffs? It's like over 20, right? Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's the longest no. sports. 
It's not over 20. They had the best record ever in 2001. But I think that might have been the last time. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's right. I always forget about that year. Would they have 118 wins or something like that? 16. Jeez. Yeah, that was a good team. Good team that good lost team. in the first round, right? Uh, no, yes. no, no. No, no, they lost in the ALCS. That's right. Who Soriano. The Yankees? The Yankees. Uh-huh. Soriano went buck on them, if I recall correctly. Did you guys think that Soriano looked a little like an ostrich when he would run the bases? Um, what? No. Have you ever seen his running the bases stance? Brian, you know what I'm talking about, right? When he um, kind of drops I... his hands and he has the the long legs and he's got his uh, his socks up high. He kind of looks I like appreciate an the metaphor um, because that's sort of what I think of LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, but <laughs> I, I never noticed it with Soriano. I'm a weird runner too, so I wouldn't make fun of anybody else's run. Soriano was a beast. Can't, uh, can't, can't take that away from him. He was awesome for a long time. And I hated to play against him. So, or I didn't play against him. Hated to watch him play <laughs> against my team. Um, but, uh, yeah, crazy day, guys. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Pedroia in the lineup, though, and it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Um, predictions from you guys on if the Sox are to make a move towards the trade deadline, what would they do? Do we have any early early favorites for where they would make a move? Hold on. Yeah, it's that, I, th- I agree. So you guys are on the Pete Abe train, huh? Uh, I guess. We're on the I, same train as Pete Abe. Yeah, I don't know. Different well, I can't car, be my train. He was He's grumpy. He told you to get off his car. Well, if he's grumpy, I'm, then I'm it's my grumpy. train. Yeah, <laughs> grumpy is my train. All right. So. Oh man, yeah, it, it does. It does seem like bullpen is the popular option, but uh, we shall see. I mean, that's always the default for any team at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like um, I've been thinking, the Red Sox would be good, well served to like get a closer. I know they have a closer, but you know, just just get know. the just get the best arm possible you yeah. can. They should be I mean, Blake Trinan to get an arm really bad. Uh, I love Blake Trinan. I don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, the Blake know. show? Turn it into the Blake's show? <laughs> yeah, the two Blake's coming out WWE style. I like it. Now I don't want Blake Trinan anymore. You just ruined Blake Trinan for me. No, we haven't. You want him still. I do still want him a lot. That sinker? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. All right, that has been our show. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, give us a rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us so we come straight to your phone or whatever device you listen to this on. Um, and you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian on Twitter at, at Brian Joiner, Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt R Y Collins, but you can also, more importantly, follow him at, at Over the Monster for Red Sox news. Only follow him at, at Over the Monster. Don't follow the other account. Yeah, he mostly just talks about the Celtics on the other one. Um, and then you can follow myself at, at Dev Jake, and I will sometimes talk about the Red Sox. But you might get some pictures of my dog. Um, so with that, thank you guys very much for joining me, and uh, we'll be with you next time. Bye.